Welcome back to the Spinner Rack here at the Marvel New Universe Comics Podcast. We're your hosts. Andy with Nightmask number 12 and... Steven with Force number 12. Choo-choo-choo. <laughs> Started in 1986. Felt like that needed sound effects, sorry. <laughs> we yeah, we got to find a way to add sound effects. That would really... Started in 1986, the new universe was an imprint from Marvel Comics dedicated to a more grounded and less fantastic approach to comics and world building. The idea was the world outside your window with real-time progress and reasonably realistic technology, physics, astronomy, and biology. Eight new comic series launched in one month set in our world in 1986. Now, as we close out the first year, the world still largely doesn't know about paranormals, except for a few secret agencies. I, actually, it's just the CIA, I think, right? Yeah. Pretty much. Okay. With our podcast, you can follow along with us each week as we go through each comic in the order they hit the spinner rack. Or just check out individual comics if you already have a favorite. We are also found at our website, uh, kickersinc.com where we have a number of uh, amusements and diversions, uh, all new universe themed, including the Super Sleuth sweepstakes that's still available, the trivia contest from the first few issues of the new universe, as well as new trivia contests that, um, let's just say we sum up, use it for the last half of the year, first year. Hmm. So we've got by ourselves a month there. Um, we have a Twitter account at Kickers Inc., where we'll update you with uh, what's coming up on the podcast. And as long as you're uh, looking around for more content, uh, take a look over at the uh, Facebook fan page, Marvel Comics New Universe Fans, which is not run by us, but has been very supportive of the show. Yeah. And uh, so this week I'll be talking about Nightmask. Uh, Nightmask, of course, is Keith Remsen, a young paranormal who can enter people's dreams in the disguised Nightmask, with his sister Teddy as a psychic anchor, guidance from Dr. Lucian Ballad, and fan service from physical therapist Lita Mercado. He helps the others at the Ballad Dream Clinic. I see there's been some changes to our uh, intro to Nightmask there. Uh, that would be a good quiz question. Spot the change. Um, so this issue... Nightmask number 12, the soul-searing truth of Nightmask's friend, Dr. Lucina Ballad. That's Her what people. it said in Marvel Age. I know, it just still just catches me off guard and makes me laugh every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she, she's been revealed at last. Um, I guess there's... Revelations just pile on top of each other now. Was it the 90s movie, The Crying Game kind of thing? <laughs> Probably not well thought of these days. Who knows? <laughs> well, will this soul-searing truth, will will the revelation sealed Nightmask's doom? Voodoo in Haiti, written by Roy and Dan Thomas, penciled by Mark Bagley, and inked by Tony DeZuniga. <laughs> Uh, whoever writes these things needs an award for that one. I like it. And the mistake just makes it better. <laughs> uh, the short version, uh, Nightmask 12, The End of Voodoo. Wow. It's really short. He's going to end all voodoo? Yeah. Or voodoo, the, like the Wildcats character? She was cute. I don't know. I'm not familiar with that one. 
perhaps best left in the 90s. I had to sneak some annuals in on the checklist, so maybe that's why they had to keep a couple of them short. Mm, yeah. This uh, week I'll be covering Psy Force. Avoiding trouble from street gangs and government agents, a group of teenage psychic paranormal runaways is bound together by a psychic entity called the Psyhawk, who they resent and fear. Wayne, Tyrone, Kathy, Stasi, and Michael. They have no name for themselves, but we call them Psyforce. So Psyforce number 12, Stasi joins a cult that lets her use her powers for the common good. But is there a darker purpose to the cult that she doesn't see? A purpose that not even her fellow Psyforce members can protect her from? The Candyman is written by Rosemary McCormick Lowry, penciled by Bob Hall, and inked by Al Williamson. Short version, Psyforce number 12, Stasi's faith healing power brings her into contact with a religious cult. Hmm. I think cults basically means or implies dark purpose though doesn't it right because if it's yeah i mean if you're just like an independent church that like doesn't control you know the members lives it's there's a real gray zone i think where there you can be like a an evangelical leader or something and you're you're like you know maybe you're a little uh Teachings are a little off, off, uh, off the beaten track. But uh, if, if you're not like starting a sex farm, you know, then <laughs> I guess once you start trying to like control everyone in the group, then it's a cult. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's, mm-hmm. or at least that's where. Yeah, it it does have a pe- pejorative uh, sense. Yeah, definitely. If you say, uh, you know, no one's going to be like, uh, it's t- it's uh, you know. I got to get early for my cult tomorrow, you know. (laughs) Not yet. Not yet. (laughs) Andy's Andy's been uh, researching voodoo so much, I'm a little worried about his. (laughs) You should be worried. I've been channeling the strongest of Loa. (laughs) So we will then be discussing uh, some real interesting news from universe news which uh just started in this week's issues um which we'll get into in a moment i guess so we won't spoil it not yet anyway (laughs) the sound of our tears hitting the keyboard (laughs) (laughs) i mean yeah yeah. it's some some news that today you would have heard like six months ago but um, true and of course you know is also common knowledge because we're talking about ancient books but i'm still getting that full-on reader experience of you know i'm going through these as pretending like they came out i haven't read them all so it, it still hits um but yeah so night mask issue 12 uh cover october 1987 though it looks like it came out june 23rd 1987 and um so Nightmare 12, we've got a cover. We've been dealing with a lot of voodoo battles. And on our cover, we have uh, Nightmask squaring off against uh, what we now know as uh, Tullius, the evil twin voodoo brother of Dr. Lucian Ballant. And um, yeah, they're pretty much facing each other. He's got like chain, like classic pirate locked up in a tower kind of manacles with the chains coming from either arm. Uh, 
Night Mask is just kind of squaring off against him and then kind of like their shadows and like pink hovering above them um, is the white snake uh, representing Night Mask and some sort of big red monster uh, representing uh, Tullius, I guess, right? Yeah, so that's that, I think they called it a color hold, um, the, the like red on white instead of black and white. And then yeah. there's a further layer of like jungle background behind that that's just black on blue or something. It's yeah, interesting it all, graphic design. I it's say. all kind of like swirled and exploded looking. It looks like it's credited to Bagley and Wyachek. Mm, nice, yeah. So we got some Bagley cover. And then, you know, all along, if, if you're listening to these, you know, we always like to comment on what the new universe logo looks like. And this one's a pretty big diversion because uh, it's always black background and then usually white writing, um, occasionally with some soft colors added in. This time it's red background, which is weird looking and black letters. So it's an odd new universe. Yeah, that's the thing that really jumped out at me. And uh, you can see, we'll get to in a second, the um, Cyforce this week has a similar different, um, has a similar change, but it's a different color completely. So instead, I mean, the whole point of that logo was to have like a consistent design on the newsstands. So you're always like, oh, oh I see. Hey, the there's universe. a new universe book. Yeah. And so nope. you're, I don't know, um, getting a little off off the target there, but okay. Mm-hmm. And so, Night Mask number 12. Uh, so open up the book. Our title uh, inside the book is Voodoo Moon Over Haiti. Uh, so in our long series of voodoo books, uh, as mentioned before, um, you know, you can remember back to the past when these would be always wrong, but lately they're all generally correct. Uh, writer, uh, husband and wife team, Roy and Dan Thomas. Uh, layouts, Mark Bagley and Tony Duzuniga as inker. So we got some more Mark Bagley night mask going on. And our splash pages, um, <laughs> Keith Remsen and Martine tearing it up in a Jeep Renegade, I guess, a yellow Jeep, um, to kind of recap what happened last time, and or really the last couple episodes, uh, we kind of got introduced into the New Orleans world of voodoo. So um, the evil twin Tullius was confirmed. Um, Teddy, Keith's sister, has been kidnapped. Uh, Lucian had been kidnapped before, but then they kind of figured out that, uh, you know, this evil twin had been impersonating him and kind of gotten everybody uh, all messed up there. Uh, Lita Mercado is safe back at home. We haven't seen her in a while. And he met a character named Martine, who seems to know all about the voodoo world of Haiti. And she was kind of guiding him to help rescue Lucian. Uh, so Martine and Keith to the rescue, I guess, is what we're where we're standing here. And the art's pretty good. I'll just say, you know, as we go, you know, we're happy to have Mark Bagley. The backgrounds look like they've been paid attention to. Like there's details. It's not just random color blobs in the back, you know, in in every single scene and such. So um, it's, it's a nice book. But um, yeah, like Martine's driving. Keith is on the side. Uh, and they're just plowing through some back uh, jungle 
palm tree kind of roads. So it's for Christ's sake, Martine, slow down, will you? This Haitian back road isn't exactly an interstate. And she says, there's no time to waste, Keith. Before long, the sun will set and the voodoo ceremony will begin. I thought you wanted to get to Tullius's humpho before it does <laughs> for your sister's sake. <laughs> so, so what is a humpho, you may ask? Yeah, so the editor gives us that one. Uh, the place where a voodooist both lives and holds his ceremonies. So oh, it's his house. <laughs> dual purpose. Nice. Yeah, yeah right? Maybe the ceremonies are in the garage. I, there was there's something about the word humpho that I, I noticed like like every page they would refer to the humpho again as like they've really beaten this humpho thing a lot. I don't know. Yeah. So if there's one thing I will probably have learned. Humpho. The word humpho. <laughs> as far as the things go. Um so yeah, I'm, I'm figuring to go quick through some of these next sections because the back half of the book is where all the really good stuff happens. Um, but yeah, so basically they're they're cruising through. Um, it's totally unpaved, like road, dirt road here. So yeah, you see exactly. Yeah, so just cruising through, um, going through turns, uh, kind of talking about the situation that's going on. You know, a little bit to kind of catch up the readers. Um, as far as things go and all of a sudden you know keith yells out and and they basically almost hit a little caravan of you know five or six people looks like a family and maybe a donkey uh walking on the road so she has to swerve uh to uh dodge them and luckily doesn't run into a tree but kind of runs the jeep into uh, a small creek basically um and so narrowly avoiding killing a bunch of regulars um they come to help uh, there's a funny little narration panel uh where keith says for a second after we ditch i have these mental visions of the whole family that they almost ran over coming at us with machetes but instead they're nice <laughs> they're good people it's like thank you for swerving to avoid hitting little piro miss <laughs> um, so I guess they're grateful to not have been killed, though maybe should be a little upset that they were driving recklessly. Um, but anyway, yeah, yeah. So uh, the people help push the jeep back out of the water and give a little bit of extra information. They're headed to the Umfo. Umfo, one called Tullius. Our burrow is loaded with gifts for his patron Loa. Which... Loas. <laughs> And that was, you know, sort of the spirits, you know, kind of demigods of, of voodoo, I guess. And there's a lot of them, a whole lot of them, apparently. <laughs> uh, we've met Dumbala, and that was the snake one. Um, and he says, it's said that tonight Tullius will slay the two-headed goat. But please, I've said too much. <laughs> um, so they're going to watch the sacrifice, um, but also kind of gives them uh, a clue uh of what's going to be going on you know the voodoo ceremony in fact involves death and so we had learned before that tullius is the twin and apparently in voodoo um twins share a soul so he's ready to off his brother from the that's off in america so that he can have the whole soul and supposedly make himself more powerful or just feel less sad i guess <laughs> okay yeah. so um so now they're a little extra worried you know are they going to sacrifice lucian are they going to sacrifice the kid's sister 
and Martine decides that they need to stop at her uh, teacher's place, right? So they need to go visit Mambo Matilda, who was... Um, is it the humpho of... The humpho of Mambo... Uh, no, it is the humpho of one whom even Tullius fears and respects in, this, in, this, in his way, the Mambo Matilda. The one who had sent Lucian that letter about his mother dying. That's what started this whole mess. Yeah. So she's she's the good guy, Mambo. Right. So yeah, I don't know if this is the best part, but to like the first couple of issues were so mysterious over like what was going on and how you know what was just happening that I was convinced Martine was like a ghost of like Lucia's mother or maybe like a projection of this Mar Mambo Martine or Mambo Matilda or something, you know? Yeah, things have really come down to earth. Yeah, I, I was imagining that too, because, you know, there was that historical figure that had visited the grave and such. You know, is, is she like a ghost of her? Uh, you know, does she have bit. some kind of spirit powers? You know, but, but now we're pretty much, nope. <laughs> nope. Yeah, so she's just hanging, you know, driving a jeep in the daylight. It's Martine, the lady from Haiti, who's helping you. Okay. Yeah, she cuts hair too. She does. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it wasn't just a cover story. Yes. <laughs> what the heck did she do to everyone in that hair salon? We'll never. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I guess it's new information too. So, she takes. Keith to the humpho of Mambo Matilda, who has been uh, channeling or forming a connection with Dambala, which is the big white snake who Keith has been trying to beat up in his dream these whole times, right? So, like, real helpful, Matilda. <laughs> snake attack in dream has not really been giving Keith great information. But <laughs> uh, here we finally get to meet her in person, uh, as far as things go, so... Finally meets old snake. It's a little more. Um, and it's just an older black woman who's hanging out and sewing. So she, she she's essentially doesn't feel or doesn't seem like she's doing anything urgent or like quickly, we must save your friends or anything. She's just kind of hanging out. You guys must be hungry. Have some food. Come stay a she, while. She she reminds me a bit of that the Haitian woman who gives you missions in Grand Theft Auto Vice City. I don't know. <laughs> that woman was more heavy set and not as old though. So. Mm. Nice. It's been too long for me to remember that detail. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she's she's sewing and working on something, and you know starts to tell a little bit of the backstory of Tullius and how he's. Uh, you know, just sort of a miserable jerk, and he really kind of lost it when it when his brother uh, packed up and left. So he became a user of black magic, um, and uh, his mother. So the twins' mother was kind of holding him together and keeping him from causing too many problems. Uh, but once he once she died, then the rails kind of went off as far as things go. So he wants to claim this the whole soul. Um, and let's see, um, Keith is kind of fed up, you know, so you know, what in blazes are we doing sitting here eating green coconut and watching an old lady with a clamshell necklace do her knitting? Uh, we've got to get moving for Lucian's sake, for Teddy's. <laughs> it's like, why'd that crumb take Teddy anyway? She, she couldn't do him any harm. Um, I like that he called him a crumb. That's kind of a funny little dig. 
It's not very <laughs> harsh. Some, it's like um, Jimmy Olsen would call someone a crumb. You know? <laughs> crumb bum, I'm more familiar with maybe than crumb. <laughs> and so Martine gives a little more information. She says, uh, he took her because he fears you, right? So Tullius fears Keith. He says, you and your dream power. Through Lucian's records, Tullius knows about you and knows Teddy is your anchor to the waking world. He kidnapped her because he fears what you might otherwise do to him while he sleeps. Uh, he says, well, he better start worrying about what, he, what I'm going to do to him while he's awake. <laughs> Sock him in the jaw, right in the kisser. <laughs> he says, listen, if you're, not, if you're not going, I am. Give me the keys to the Jeep. Um, and and Mambo interrupts. Says, Don't be afraid. We won't hold you here. But before you go, you best put this on. And basically, she's holding the night mask outfit. Um, so this is kind of interesting. So uh, Keith Remsen in the Waking World is just Keith Keith Remsen. He doesn't have a superhero suit. He doesn't dress up as night mask. It's just some imagery that he came up with to kind of sort of protect his identity while he's helping people in the dreams. So she knows that you know so i guess she's been in in fact maybe with dumbala's help infiltrating his dreams and so she gives him this uh outfit um so they argue a little bit uh, but essentially says you know put it on that will give you strength and then the three of us will go to tulius's together it's okay so he goes into the other room and changes and so now Page seven, we've got Keith Remsen dressed <laughs> as Nightmask. <laughs> let's, let's go gadding about the place in this festive uh, gear. I don't know. The Nightmask house is pretty interesting, right? I mean, it's like all black. It's got kind of like a collar and like instead of a cape, it's got like almost like streamers kind of cape. Yeah, that's the odd part is that streamer cape thing. But um, yeah. overall, I mean, it's yeah, form fitting. Got a good yeah. mask. I don't know. A little bit of like a domino kind of mask style, but not connected in the middle. And then this odd, like white spot in the chest that looks like, I don't know, like a reverse black hole or something. I'm not sure what it represents, but yeah, I don't something know. to break up the black, I guess. You know, if I, now that I think about it, I mean, he's got that like moon sh- shaped crescent on his forehead. It, like, I, I would have been, you know, oh, it makes sense that you have that symbol on your chest, you know, costume as well. But no, it's this light. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe the crescent moon on the co- and the costume would have been too obvious, or like maybe too much like Doctor Midnight or something. Like, there's got to be some character that has the. He, he he can't take that off, so yeah, it's not gonna right. This guy. So, um, so we cut to what's going on at the Humfo. <laughs> it doesn't say meanwhile at the Humfo. It's like one of the few chances <laughs> they did not take to use that word. <laughs> um, but you know, I'll, I'll relate some stuff later. But I mean, the writers did seem to kind of do their research well. They they seem to know their stuff. It's not um, like I, t- I took a look. Uh, I don't think Roy Thomas um, was like a, or what did I say, an anthropology um, like major or, or expert. He was uh, in school for like English literature and history and and English. So mm-hmm. it's, it's 
I, I thought that maybe he was more like that was his background with some of this ethnographic uh, studies, but no, he, he must have just done the research for this, which is interesting too. Yeah, or just like had read some book or something. I don't know, but um, but yeah. So to the Humpho, uh, which is kind of like a you know wooden and like thatch roof kind of shack built, like sort of a well built shack, all kind of lit up. We got the drums going. Uh, Lucian Ballad, interestingly, is uh, chained to a post, like basically like a telephone pole sized tree tree post. Uh, he's got kind of the chain manacles kind of wrapping his arms around the back. So he's stuck there. But they also took the liberties of wrapping him in Christmas, in Christmas lights, too, to like extra humiliate him, I suppose. <laughs> oh, I like that part. And... So he must have been there for a while. We haven't seen him at all since the issue where he'd been kind of kidnapped at the airport. Um, he's there, shirtless, jeans, no shoes, kind of looking tired. And they say, I brought you a visitor, Lucian. It's dear Lord, no. And uh, it's Teddy. So she had been kind of, you know, kidnapped off panel. Um, but there's a guy holding her, you know, kind of like carry your wife over the threshold kind of pose because, of course, she's in a wheelchair. Uh, but she looks kind of comfortable, which I think is kind of fun. She's oh, Lucian, what has he done to you? You're all bruised. Um, Tulia says, can't you say hello to Teddy, dear brother? After all, she came all the way to New Orleans to be with you. Says, And Lucian replies, I, I figure I was a dead man, Tulius, the moment I was dragged into your humfo. <laughs> but why the girl? Why Teddy? She's no threat to you. Do whatever your diseased brain forces you to do to me, but leave her out of it. Please? <laughs> Please? Please? <laughs> so no, no position to make demands. Uh, it says, it's, I cannot, I can't oblige, you see. I know the secret she and her brother share that she serves as an anchor when he enters men's dreams. Keith Remsen will never dare try entering my dreams to get revenge for what I'm going to do to you, not while I have her. I don't know Keith that well. I think he has no problem sneaking off into people's dreams without Teddy. <laughs> uh, but notably, Teddy can't walk. So they basically just plop her down on the ground on the porch and dangle her bag of stuff above her uh, out of reach. So it becomes important later. So uh, moving on, you know, so they argue uh, to the point where Tullius kind of lashes out. Uh, he's got a, a straight up green villain cape, uh, shirtless, uh, some necklaces and sort of wristbands, but then also some kind of interesting staff. Um, like a, I think there was a word for that. I'm yeah. sure there is. It's not Humpho, though. Yeah, Mama Matilda was saying something. Um, took up the Asson or Abson? Oh, right. The primary yeah. instrument of voodoo. Yeah. Anyway, looks cool. Uh, voodoo's into always sort of inter into interesting idols. And the one thing I read about is they're they're really kind of utilitarian in their um you know, like voodoo relics. So if you're building a shrine and you want to kind of decorate it with things, like they'll just almost kind of like use what's around. Um, like famously, supposedly there was like uh, they're representing some of the Loa with like uh, Christmas Santa Claus, but with like a black hat or like a Darth Vader toy and just like stuff, you know, it's like, wow, yeah, just mm -hmm. whatever they got around. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he says tonight, 
This is Tullius. For the first time, you will witness that my power as Hungan star. <laughs> uh, so that means voodoo priest. So this is the male version of uh, Mambo. Um, and he says, and now if you will excuse me, I must greet those who have come to do homage to me. So uh, all of these people and what looks like the same group that almost got ran over uh, have come to bring him gifts. Um, so Teddy's kind of reaching out, you know, somebody help, please. You know, he's helped the man over there uh, tied to the pole by those Christmas tree lights. So I guess <laughs> it makes him stand out like, as opposed to the other guys that are tied to the pole and looking sad. We don't care um, about them, I guess. And, and but the, the guy who helped them in the Jeep was there. He's like, he's like, Shh, you know, Tullius might hear you. Like most of my people can't speak English, but I can. Um, Tullius is very powerful, protected by his loas. Many have died from his sorcery, you know, so there's nothing I can help, you know, you know, the cer- when the ceremony begins, you know, so basically he's intimidated by him. And so Tullius has such a powerful spirit that, you know, nobody wants to mess with him at this point. Um, so then goes the drumming and the dancing. Um, so we get a nice scene of all sorts of people drumming, kind of dancing around poor sad Lucian tied to his pole with the Christmas lights. Um, and as Teddy's kind of leaning back saying, I can't believe this. I feel like I'm going crazy myself. Uh, Martine sneaks up behind her and says, perhaps you shall. Oh, says, she says, I want to go home. Martine says, well, perhaps you shall. My name's Martine and I am not alone. And with what maybe isn't the best plan, but maybe they're thinking of something. Uh, Keith, as night mask, just walks right up. Lucian uh, <laughs> Ballad, night mask has come for you. Um, and if you're expecting him to like recoil in fear because the spirit come alive or something, he's like, you, you're only a creature of dream, phantom of the midnight hours, but, but you're not, are you? You're only a boy parading in ghost's clothes. Guide uh, sees him, so that's the voodoo version of guards sees him <laughs> and so he's like oh, i'm starting to have doubts about the wisdom of this plan so basically they punch him a couple times grab him tie him up with a chain to the to another post uh they've actually known the same post uh this time without the christmas lights and ah it seems like tonight we will sacrifice three instead of one oh all right so i guess that means they added teddy to the sacrificial list yeah, well, there's no point in keeping him around if you're not scared of Night Mask anymore. I suppose. Um, and uh, Martine's just kind of hanging out, so maybe I guess they don't really notice her. Um, uh, but she implies, you know, that's just what we knew would happen. So they've got some kind of plan here. And while the dancing's going on, Keith is, Keith is sort of, you know, fighting against his chains here. And there's kind of it, all during this scene there's like the the drum or or something of the dancing so it's like boom ba 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 boom ba ba yeah and it's just like <laughs> these words are just balloons are just winding through the panels in kind of an interesting way so yeah it does a nice job of kind of setting the scene that like all this is rolling in the background um he remembers you know it's like you know something she said something that might save your life trust the snake Trust the snake. <laughs> so uh, okay. That's what he does. Oh, <laughs> I am the snake. 
it basically closes his eyes and imagines Dambala, the big giant white snake who is him or itself chained, right? So it's kind of like an int- a funky scene where you know, it's like a shackle all along the snake you know, and, some, and like three chains holding it together. So now he's sort of formed this connection. And so if a snake can get out of these bounds, then he's connected to the snake and he can get out of these chains, I guess, is where we're going with this. Um, so yeah, we get this nice imagery of like him fighting to break free and get loose as Dambala is as well. And in fact, uh, he, he always, although he's thinking to himself, like, this is crazy, like, this is never going to work. It actually does kind of work. He, he is able to kind of fight himself free. Um, maybe the night mask costume is just really slippery. I don't know. <laughs> Say, uh, yeah, Mamba Mat- Matilda made that costume. So perhaps it's, um, well, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Or there's <laughs> not as good at chaining people, or voodoo is real and the magic made it work. <laughs> so um that's sort of like his first impressive act right so he's free and then basically he goes into voodoo dance battle would you say right pretty much yeah sort of a rap battle but with the uh, dance crew backing him up and uh <laughs> yeah tullius has chains i think yeah on his wrist real chains and yeah. he's protected by another loa that is the chained beast, which is werewolf Lucius with also the manacles. Yeah, you've got it pretty much. Um, so yeah, so um, the crowd's watching, you know, they basically start throwing down. Yeah, so uh, Tullius has had those chains, like two long chains to, chained to his arms, you know, which is representative of this chained beast. So we get to see them fighting um and above in the same panel like the loa fighting um so basically what it boils down to is uh if keith keeps his eyes closed he can maintain the connection to dambala and if he does that like then as the snake fights and dodges and strikes then he's also doing that as well hence basically you know not getting clobbered by the chain in real life Uh, he says you know if either of those chains connect i'm in big trouble i know it and somehow I think the Haitians watching know it too. You got a nice panel on the bottom of 16 with everybody's face kind of slack, like, what is going on here? <laughs> Something is going on here. What? Um, then we get some, some nice narration, you know, as the snake kind of wraps around the chain beast and Keith rushes in and grabs him. He says, but hey, I'm not exactly a ni- Mr. 90 pound weakling myself after all those gym sessions with Lee to Mercado. Yeah, that's what she's doing. I'm mad, good and mad. This crumb planned to kill Lucian and Teddy, and he's going to do that over my dead body. Um, But yeah, Tullius is no joke. The chain beast punches the snake. Tullius punches uh, Keith Remsen, kind of knocks him away, knocks him to the ground. Um, Things aren't looking too good. Um, So Tullius is thinking he's won, and the crowd's. Is still looking on, and Val Keith is saying, "You know, I'm not through yet. Um, now it's Teddy's turn to shine." So yeah, a lot of this is trying to keep the crowd like um, they're sort of under Tullius's uh, I don't know spell, but influence. You know, so they do what he says as long as he's 
seems more powerful, but all they would yeah. need is to kind of break his, you know, make him look vulnerable and supposedly uh, these guys that all turn on him. So. Yeah, because like, they like, say so it's kind of like they respect and fear him, but they don't really like him. But, you know, if he still looks invincible, he can beat anybody coming at them. And, you know, they're not going to they're not going to challenge him. Um so Keith's thinking, unless somebody else suddenly gets a bright idea, and then I feel it, Teddy, she's in my mind, like she always is when I'm night masking around, hopefully not on an empty stomach, uh, <laughs> night masking around in somebody else's dreams. She heard a little exchange about how Julius has to keep them thinking he's invulnerable, and all of a sudden reminded her of something. Uh, so she looks up, and so remember... They basically just sat her down thinking she's helpless and left her bag like hanging on a hook, maybe a couple feet over her head. But she's been training too. She's strong. She's got strong arms. <laughs> so she might just be able to save the day here. Keith is thinking in his head, you know, can't tell what she's going to do. I'm no mind reader, but something in her flight bag that the voodooists hung over her head. If she could... If she could stand, she could just reach out and grab it. But she can't stand, not since that not since that accident killed our parents. She's trained with Lita, though, too, and her arms are as strong as her legs are weak. So we get to see her basically pulling herself up on the sort of porch rail, kind of grabbing, reaching. Uh, and he thinks, and her will's stronger than e- either of them could ever be, right? Uh, she can't lift the bag strap off the nail where it's hung. But that's what a dead drop is for, right? So basically, she rips the thing down. The, the bag snaps. Like, what is she getting out of this bag? Um, she's thinking, Keith, I got something. Something that may help. But I can't reach you. Not in time. She's thinking, and he can hear uh, to a degree. Um, she says, I'm scared to toss it to you because you got to keep your eyes closed, right? He's still fighting as this Loa. She says, throw it to me, Teddy, whatever it is. You know, he's thinking this as he's grappling with Tullius, with Tullius's hand literally around his throat, choking out Nightmask. He's got a sad-looking face. He says, if you don't, I'm as good as dead. And what could it be? A bottle of perfume? <laughs> what? So she launches it. Um, and you know, even mid-fight, um, Keith manages to catch it. He says, I don't even know what I'm straining to reach, but if Teddy wants me to have it, that's good enough for me. And then I see what it is, that bottle of Magnolia perfume she bought in the French Quarter. And this is when they were uh, in New Orleans, when they still thought it was Lucius, but it was really the evil brother kind of acting sassy all over the place. Um, and it says... As below, so above. Dumball is giving it to the chain beast, all right. A face full of venom. So you get this cool panel where Keith Rems and dressed as night mask squirts the uh, perfume into Tullius's face. And the shadow image is uh, the snake like spitting venom in the chain beast's face, uh, kind of blinding it. Because um, he didn't like the perfume. He was allergic to it. And so perfume in the eyes, that doesn't feel too good. Um, says Tullius's cry of pain fills the humpho, uh, mingled with the chain beast's roar so loud I know the others have heard it too. Uh, that's probably why they stand around like a mural while Tullius moans and groans in the middle of the room. So this has got him out basically. Uh, this is while well, I finally open my eyes and ease over to Lucian. <laughs> uh, he, say, he says, you know, as soon as Martine and I get out of this, get ready to make a break for it. 
but then Mamba Matilda shows up. I guess all it took to end this whole thing was this bottle of Magnolia perfume. Um, but he's shown that weakness. So Mambo shows up. Matilda walks in after every the battle's over, conveniently. <laughs> Waiting. Not, not much help there, lady. Uh, she says, the Loa have deserted this evil Hungan, the man who serves with both hands. Says, he is Hungan no more. And she snaps his staff in half, uh, symbolically, I guess. Um, and while Lucian goes to Tullia still for some reason, even though he's ready to execute him, ready to give him another chance, you know, it's like, I never hated you, only the evil you did. Can't we? Uh, <laughs> uh, Tullius looks up and his face is all pockmarked from presumably allergy. He says, but I hate you and I shall until the day I die. <laughs> mm, you don't spray mm. perfume in the man, get away with it. Um, so he basically runs off crying <laughs> in a way. Uh. Uh, Shirtless man leaving his house. He's he's kind of ruined. Uh, the good voodooist has sort of overthrown him. Uh, his people that aren't so happy with him. He says, just get out of my way, all of you. Leave me alone. He runs off. Um, Keith starts thinking, you know, uh, he's getting away. We got to catch him. You know, he'll start it all over again. Uh, but Mambo Matilli says, no, the people saw his face and they saw how it turned red, blotchy, ill. That could not happen to, to a true Hungan while he was possessed by the Loa. They will not follow him again. The police will get him now, even if uh, even they will not fear him. And he's like, then the voodoo priest was beaten by a, an allergic rash? <laughs> so I had not <laughs> even remembered this, but when they um, to go back to last issue... They are shopping in the French Quarter, and uh, it's Lucian, who's really Tullius, and Keith and Teddy. And Teddy pipes up, oh, look, some of that Magnolia perfume Lita gave me at Christmas. And I didn't even remember this at the time, so I probably didn't say anything in the last, the last podcast about it. But Keith says, be careful where you spray that stuff. Remember what happened when some got on Lucian. Yes, his allergy, he broke out like he had measles. Pretty gruesome, all right. Yeah. Huh, setup. Okay. <laughs> Good setup, guys. Good setup. So setup. allergic rash. Yeah. And it's on to the last page, right? So the sky is clear for the first time in days as Lucian stands looking down. Um at the graves of his parents for the first time. We're there too, but at a discreet distance. Well, they're pretty close. So sometimes that's all you can do. Or is it? Uh, he's talking to Mambo Matilda. says, if I were to ask you, is it possible to heal my sister somehow? Her legs were crushed in this explosion, you see. And, and she says, if you were to ask me that, Keith, I would have to say that I could not. Teddy is not a believer. And then I would tell you about Legba. Who's Legba? Well, that's Teddy says who's Legba. She says, he is the spirit who guards all crossroads and entrances and must be called on first to act as a portal between mortals and Loa. Legba, too, is a cripple, yet he is perhaps the most, most powerful Loa of all. And in her own way, Teddy, too, is powerful. I mean, she still, still probably wouldn't mind walking, but 
<laughs> she says, I understand, Mambo Matilda. We've all got to live with our handicaps, our limitations, our sorrows. I must learn to live with my injured legs, just as Lucian must carry on without the parents he loved, yet left behind him. Maybe in the long run, that's the one thing all humans share, a sense of loss. Oh. Finn. Finn. So we got the Finn, and that is the that is the Finn. <laughs> that is the Finn. Um, but before we get into that, um, I, I did end up doing a, a bit of voodoo research, which was kind of interesting. And like all this stuff is pretty spot on, right? So um, she draws the comparison to Legba. I mean, Teddy is the one who helps bring him out of the dream world, right? Legba is sort of the gate gate gatekeeper to voodoo um and, and is usually as an old man uh helps cross from one world to the other usually uh, like has a crutch as far as things go and um so, uh, allegedly a lot of the loa in voodoo are matched up with catholicism and like catholic saints as well which is kind of interesting so the St. Peter at the gates kind of thing, you know, is kind of paired with Legba. And supposedly a lot of Haitians uh, follow both. Like they don't have an issue with being, you know, practicing Catholicism and voodoo as well, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. I mean, my impression was that it was sort of a combination of Catholicism and um, like African derived spirit, I don't know what you call it, animism, some of this um, fusion that you get when, when people have a strong tradition of one thing and then are sort of converted, but not completely. And so they sort of have their own version of both. You get uh, like Mexican Day of the Dead. Uh, yeah. Stuff yeah. And, and one of the one of the bits of information about leg buzz Whoever offends him cannot address their loa and is deprived of their protection, right? So it's kind of like, don't mess with Legba or Teddy, otherwise you might get disconnected. And and there's no chain beast. Like, like there, I couldn't, if you search chain beast, it won't pull anything up. But I think I found him um, in the loa Bakulu. And best I found there, it says, drags chains behind him and is so terrible that no one dares to invoke him. His habitat is the woods. He possesses no one. Right. So this would be one that um, like the normal channeling is right. So you do the drumming, the singing, you bring gifts and usually food. And there's all these details of like which Loa likes which food, which is kind of interesting. Um, but then, you know, all that. Uh, can cause one to possess you or communicate with you. And it says when they remove their protection, it may cause sickness. So that's that connection of like, oh, well, he's sick now. Like, that's not going to happen. You know, Bakulu, yeah. the chain beast, must have left him. Uh, but yeah, that's like the evil one, basically. Like, nobody's messing with this thing. They might send it offerings, but nobody's going to uh, be brave enough to actually try and let that spirit possess you which i thought was interesting because it all you know works pretty well the more i dug into it the more accurate all of it seemed yeah yeah interesting yeah the um perhaps that um verisimilitude i guess added to the story or like help them sort of 
um, plan it out in a way that was consistent and gave us a good ride with that. I think um, I always think of voodoo in connection with uh, William Gibson's Neuromancer. I don't know if you ever read. I have, but it's been a little while. It's just that um, I think it was the AIs or something were sort of took on these personas of voodoo loas. Mm. And so because they're sort of ghosts in the in the internet, the cyberspace, that they would, you know, sort of be there or not, you know, and 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 yeah, there was like a Haitian or Jamaican culture in, in space. I forget all it's been a long time for me too, but <laughs> Yeah, That's probably as much as I remember of voodoo is like a couple of uh, loas that got mentioned in that. So, yeah, thanks I'm for go doing our back to that one. <laughs> the many uh, research uh, department did a good job this week. Sometimes for Cyforce, I got nothing. <laughs> Night mask got something. Oh, so let's see. Should we sum this, like, uh, give it a grade before we move on? Uh, yeah. Actually, mm. you know, it's it's been... I, I was overall happy with, like, this uh, this issue. It, uh, it's been a good three issues that sort of worked out well as a longer story. And I guess paid off with some earlier clues and misdirections were good and, you know. So um, pretty happy with it. Um, I'll give it a, like a, eh, still give it a B. I'm on the high side of that though. Yeah, I was thinking B plus, right? Um, I'm happy. Uh, it kind of like the three issue run kind of started a little slow, uh, picked yeah. up a little bit, but we still were really kind of unsure what was happening. And then there's this big kind of, uh, big action yeah. at the end right there was a lot of fighting the snake without really knowing what the heck was going on uh, um, so i guess having that snake sort of join his side in the end was was a nice little payoff as far as that went um yeah yeah, yeah. The, the the big thing and really is that it is the end so like they spend a little bit of time kind of uh, you can tell they've put a little energy into kind of trying to give some kind of wrap up, you know, like they're using Lita's training, uh, you know, their brother sister bond, you know, the, the bit at the end about them, you know, dealing with loss and, you know, ultimately their story started with their parents dying kind of thing. Um, because yeah, uh, night mask is canceled and there is no issue 13 and no annual as we find out for the first time in the universe news at the end. You, you're telling me now? Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, the um let's see. Um so we'll maybe we'll do like a full series uh recap of all these um in a uh, year end um special or two. So we'll leave this here as like our marker for um Night Mask sort of went out as it came in. It was like a good B a lot of the time for me. Um, it was entertaining, um, but, um, and this is a good, you know, at least like close a chapter feel to it. Um, even if we didn't get to see Lita again. Right. It was always fun. 
Um, One last workout montage would have been nice. Uh, there's, I guess I should also say there's uh, nitpickers in the audience may ask, where's the paranormal in this? This is where's the white event? Uh, like, <laughs> eh, not everything needs to have like a solution that you can box it into a corner and label it as like a white event paranormal. I mean, yeah, I mean, ask always has like a mystery slash horror vibe to it. So if there's some mysteries left unresolved, um, I'm fine with that. I don't. Yeah, it's like the, the, the X Files would have like a cons- you know, an explanation sometimes, but sometimes it's just, well, you know, that was weird. Oh well. <laughs> yeah. So it goes. Right. Yeah. And the connection between his sort of dream powers and the voodoo spirit kind of channeling uh, was was interesting. So yeah. But, uh, yeah. If it sort of gets off the reservation a bit fine with that yeah i don't really care it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to fit that uh, exact mold of what they wrote about in the you know the introduction to the new universe i'm fine they with Mark never re- having any paranormal so i'm okay with uh, an issue of uh night mask not having it too so let's b- jump on into the universe news when uh, this is as near as we can tell, the first we've heard of it. Um, yeah. So we're here at issue 12. Even 11 didn't say a word about it. But uh, Universe News says that it starts off making, you know, going back to the beginning of the Marvel Universe and saying, you know, not every series has been around since the day it was created. Um, the Hulk, the Human Torch, Ant-Man, all lost their solo strips for a while um and history is repeating itself in marvel's new universe four of the eight original new universe titles have failed to catch on with a big enough segment of the buying public to warrant their continuation at this time those books which are being canceled with the issues on sale this month this month ouch I mean, really feels like you're being shown the door in a hurry here. So these books are probably, it's no surprise to you all. Merc, Night Mask, Kicker's Inc. What? So. <laughs> and Codename Spitfire. And while they've tried to provide some, a little uh, sense of resolution in the final issues, um, you, they, they promise that you will get to see some of the characters again in future with one exception, which shall be apparent in the last issue of that title. Mm-hmm. So they say they'll, they'll bring them back and, you know, have crossovers and people appearing in other titles. And as well, yeah, as well as certain new, new universe titles right now in the planning stage. That's Woo! right. Marvel is not wavered in its commitment to its bold new universe. Um, but there are no new new universe titles. Otherwise, we'd be talking about them. Yeah, they've um, well, they're exaggerating a bit, I'm afraid. Um, so they're they're like, okay, we're we're 
going to try to retool things and come back stronger with more of what you want. And they finish up with a uh, segue into the next paragraph, which is, to help us accomplish this, we've placed all of the new universe titles under the auspices of one editor, a man who deserves an item to himself. So without further ado, and we got a hint of this uh, last month with DP7. Effective this month, humble Howard Mackey, former managing editor for special publications, will take the editorial helm of all the new universe titles, namely DP7, Cyforce Justice, and Star Brand. So um, they're probably right. Co coordinating everything under a single editor will help consistency and, you know, make a tighter continuity. Um, not sure why they didn't do that in the first place, other than just not being organized, I suppose. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. And uh, they say they promise that Howard Mackey is enthusiastic and he promises that Uni New Universe Year Two will blow the socks off everyone's expectations. Okay, we'll see. There will definitely be some changes in this next phase as well which we will chronicle here at the new universe podcast the voice of the new universe yes, yes. <laughs> the um let's see so i i mean yeah we've been waiting for it for a while we were our memories are, are clear that that's this is where it was all going to end but uh it's a it's a little muddled like you know, not giving us much time, you know, next issue, final issue or something, you know. And then sometimes some of these are like last month were just, you know, issue 11 and it was just some bizarre tangent that you're like, really? Oh, well. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, the, I mean, those were the titles that we had the most problems with. So I don't think there's a big shocked face in either of our uh, <laughs> images here. But the, um, uh, I, don't, I mean, it, it's it's a shame to lose the diversity that the new universe started with. I'll just leave that there for now. Yeah, we're never going to find out if Jack Magnaconti rejoins the New York Smashers for another season. Or the names see. of any more of those teams. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm thinking we'll see Jack, but like Dasher and Suicide, that's pushing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. So let's take a break. Say goodbye to Nightmask for now. Goodbye, Nightmask. Goodbye, Nightmask. And we'll be back in a moment with Cyforce uh, number 12, which is All not right. canceled. Not canceled. Podcast also not canceled. Oh, we got a long ways to go. Long ways. <laughs> break um time to take a walk on over to san francisco and our beloved cyforce number 12 
This is the October 1987 issue, which again came out in June 23rd, 1987. And we had just uh, last left Cyforce leaving the Indian reservation where uh, their mentor Emmett Proudhawk uh, grew up and his relatives that are still there, Gene and Emily Proudhawk, who, um, who were trying to train them maybe in uh, developing the paranormal psychic skills that they have. Um, but after there was an attempt made on their life by this someone working for that mysterious um, nemesis that they have, um, they decided to like head back to San Francisco. Um, but that's largely left aside for this issue, which is kind of True. more of a one and done. Um, so this issue uh, cover, we have... Uh, Do we want to give too much detail on the cover? Because I feel like it gives away the whole issue. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of does. Um, it's got like someone threatening, um, one of the members and the others <laughs> are like rushing to attack with their various psychic skills. Um, there's a globe it, and some books. <laughs> that's true. But who is getting crushed under the books? It looks like they're dabbing like the, like <laughs> stupid dance move, the book guy. You're right. Um, it's again by Mark Texiera, I believe. Um, and the logo at the top, as we said before, is not, doesn't even match Nightmask this month. You, you, if you're going to change logos, you could at least have every new universe that comes out that month have the same new colors. But yeah. now we've got red letters on a white background. Okay. At least it's still got the same writing font. Yeah, I do like the new universe font that they say they, you know, it, it only pops up in a few headlines and things. So it's a, it has a nice, unique uh, look to it. Stolen oh. from a toy Uzi, right? <laughs> that's, that's the legend. Yeah. I've, Googling around has given me very much to, to um, more than that. Um, is the Cyforce? logo new no um so inside we get to the splash page and we get a title the candy man um and the credits rosemary mccormick writer bob hall pencils al williamson inks and let me just point out morelli and friends letters some of the other books um had uh, obviously like multiple hands doing lettering and uh, this is Cyforce is usually more consistent, but uh, this is a case where you've definitely got a couple of um, hand writing styles in here somewhere. Mm. Um, Rosemary McCormick, heir to the McCormick Spice Fortune. Well, that's what makes it difficult if you try to look her up. It's like, oh, did you want um, some seasonings? Um, no. <laughs> But um, she was a, this is like her only writing credit wow. on the databases we have available. Although she was an editor at Marvel for a while. She was editing maybe Power Pack and something else. But so 
another case of you know trying trying your, your put your hand in and you know write your own script um so let's see how it goes starts off is the splash page is the back of Stasi's head as she is sitting in a movie theater as the narration boxes tell us watching a mo Russian movie Ivan the Terrible which according to my quick googling was from 1944 so a classic Russian cinema which you can supposedly still see in the um, maybe a, like an art theater in San Francisco they had a number of those around in at least the East Bay around like 2000 when I was there more. So um, not impossible, we'll say. And um, Anastasia is transfixed by the big screen. Um, the pictures, they move. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little uh, callback to uh, David Bowie's Life on Mars, I guess, but I don't know. That one sailed over my head. The um, as she's sitting there, um, thinking, you know, back to her Russian homeland, someone's off. You know, a candy bar is coming close to her, and as we turn the page, we have uh, attached to it a nice-looking young man who's uh, offering her some candy. And uh, is this the candy man? That's interesting. Um. And, uh, you know, he's just like a friendly guy who sees a pretty girl. He's like, hey, what's if your he name? He's an older guy, it would have been creepy. Yeah, yeah. But he's a kid I stopped uh, offering young ladies candy in the movie theaters months ago. You know, yeah, so. I try it every once in a while, but usually only <laughs> if I'm not too sure I'm going to stay for the movie. If they're Russian, maybe, you know, yeah. it's cool, exotic. So they introduce her themselves. She's uh, Stasi Inushin, of course. And he says he's Stefan Grigorin Grigorenko. It's probably Stefan, but I'll just Americanize it up a little bit for convenience sake. Um, Grigorenko. That's um, better. <laughs> thank you. The uh, other patrons them start uh, tell tell them to shush and uh, yeah, they apologize um, unlike American kids who just you know flip you off and tell you to go to bed old man um, <laughs> anyway they they're they're having a nice chat and he invites her over to a community house he lives at just a few blocks from here we have guests all the time well okay here we are Haven house. Looks like where the monsters live. Um, yeah, it's got that spooky Victorian kind of vibe. Yeah, a bit creepy looking, but not a bad place to live, really. Who's this? Um, there's like a guard who looks like uh, Ivan Drago. Yeah, Rocky Four <laughs> at the at the door. She's with me, Craig. She's my dinner guest. All right, you can go in. Hmm. Meanwhile, back at the sanctuary, which is uh, the, the other members of Psy Force are just uh, hanging out, playing cards, and uh, maybe testing their psychic abilities for that, I guess. And uh, they, they talk about Stasi be acting a little weird re recently, but um, 
you know, they're, they're just sort of joking around with each other. Um, switch back to Haven House, and we've got a leader, and he's giving them a lecture about, think not of yourselves or of material things. The spiritual world awaits you. I will lead you there. I am your mentor. I am your guide. Trust me. I will provide for you. So this is the cult leader we've been looking for. No. Cult? I guess he's just trying to channel Dambala. <laughs> so uh, her her friend uh, Stefan is, oh, this is one of the people I want you to meet, Stasi. He runs Haven House. He used to be a very successful child psychologist, but he gave up his practice to work with the sick and homeless. Wow. Totally wasn't disgraced or anything, I'm sure. <laughs> Disbarred and <laughs> unable to work around children any anymore. <laughs> For reasons. Father, I'd like you to meet Stasi. She's originally from Russia and she now lives at Sanctuary. And his uh, father is, uh, oh yeah, well, thanks for joining us. This is my assistant. He's known affectionately as the house master. <laughs> That's not a weird name to call someone at all. Uh, he's the head of the Crimson Guard. Wait, what? <laughs> That's just what we call our welcoming committee. Oh, Comex works upstairs with Zaymon. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he asks her, you know, if she knows anything about it, and she says she's never heard of it before. And uh, he gives her like a, you know, oh, all this charity work. We're really involved in the community, and. Uh, you know, Stefan starts thinking, I wish I hadn't brought her here. See, this is the thing. Whenever you're in a cult and you bring your friends over, the cult leader is obviously going to try to sleep with them. Right. What was he how, thinking? How comfortable you are with that is like, it should be your criteria on whether you bring your friends over to the house or not. He's so. like two panels between, I wanted you to meet this guy and, uh oh, I shouldn't have brought her here to this whole <laughs> building. Yes. Idiot. <laughs> so she's uh Stasi's like, ah, it's late now, I gotta get going. And this time he's like, Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, I'll be on uh got an interview on the TV tonight. Check me out. Channel 44, nine o'clock. Later that evening at the Sanctuary. <laughs> the um Yeah, we 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 have like a TV room in Sanctuary and we don't see any of the other kids. So they don't have to have a gang fight just to choose <laughs> what the channel they're going to be watching, luckily. But um, they're joking around a little and Stasi starts watching this interview. What do you have in mind now that you have acquired something? What of a following? Basically, I plan to extend my program beyond San Francisco. There are so many cities across America that have serious problems. I particularly want my message to reach the youth of this country. They have a very important part to play in the renovation, shall we say, of our society. It's a fun code word for revolution. Hmm. You know, this guy at this point starts reminding me of the fist. fist. Oh, yeah. But that would have been a cool connection. I'm going to write down cool connection. Okay. <laughs> um, Stasi's like eating this up. Everything he says makes so much sense. It's incredible. And uh, the interview is wrapping up, and they they find we finally get his name. Well, thank you for joining us. That was Father 
And then there's, I get like a little printer's mistake. So it's like a little hard to read. Oh, Sumi Yoshi. Sumi Yoshi, the director of Haven House. So I guess he's He can't be bad. Yeah, nothing to worry about now. Right. As long as you don't live on an island or something. Or our Chinese, I guess. (laughs) There's only like three or four countries that accuse them of war crimes. I don't know why. (laughs) Let's bring this up. The next day after school, um, the the Cyforce are you know, standing around and some of them are talking to friends and mostly to each other. And they're like, where's Stassi going? Oh, she's, uh, maybe she has a date. I don't know. Think we should follow her? No. Anyway, Stassi ends up at Haven House just before twilight. I don't know if you remember me, but, oh yeah, I remember you. Yeah, good. Drago remembers. <laughs> Drago wearing t-shirt now. <laughs> Pretty girl shows up. Yeah, well, don't worry about uh, my memory there, buddy. Um, Stefan's inside. You can go in. So she goes in and it's like, oh, I was so impressed. I had to come back. And he's like, oh, no. Um, this is really a bad time, Stasi. Maybe you should take off. And Stasi, uh, there's Father... Uh, Sumiyoshi. Sumiyoshi. Ah, I was hoping you'd visit us again. So he starts putting the, the press on, and Stefan is, you know, sort of shrinking violet in the background of that panel. And he starts talking about meditation and what they should uh, do. And so they all go up, and there's a lot of kids in, like, you know, legs crossed on the floor, yoga poses, and we get a little um, thought balloon from the housemaster saying our income from sale of candy and flowers is down this week. I wonder why. <laughs> See, he's not all spiritual guy. No, he's also candy and flowers. <laughs> I love that, that little bit, though. It's just kind of like it gives us information. I get what they put it in there, but like just out of context. And so it's hmm, <laughs> in the middle of this deep meditation. Hmm, I wonder why candy sales are down this week. <laughs> So, Father uh, Sumiyoshi is uh, leading the meditation, and once they're all sort of zoned out, which is um, or at least quiet, he he's like, "I'll check out Stasi now," and then he goes over to her and does like a full hypnotism thing on her. You are going to sleep for a while, a tranquil sleep. Yes, that's it. Sleep, Stasi. You won't remember any of the groping. I mean, no, no, <laughs> sleep. So interestingly, she starts um, telling him, I guess, all the stuff about uh, Psyhawk, their paranormal abilities, Psy Force. Maybe this is the first time Psy Force has been used inside the book. Oh, good catch. Yeah, yeah, just ugh, amazing. The force that keeps them together but mostly about her ability to heal and the time she used it to heal that old doctor a few issues ago. Father Sumiyoshi is thinking to himself, this is incredible. Maybe she's crazy, but she really believes everything she's saying. And Stefan's like, oh, great. Here we go. Ah, anyway, Father Sumiyoshi like wraps it up. Hey, everyone, that's good enough for today. And... Uh, Hey, Stasi, before you go back home, would you like to uh, take uh, 
take a tour of uh, San Francisco with us, come on in my limo. Stefan's like, oh, what's going on? We've got candy in the limo. Come on. Yeah, uh, well, then, okay. I'll definitely go in the limo. They had to uh, skid row, which in San Francisco is like everywhere. So, <laughs> um, okay. Turk Street. Okay. You guys want a neighborhood? It's uh, the Tenderloin. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> Favorite um, San Francisco memory will always be when I was there and the homeless guy sold, sold me one of his homeless newspapers. So, oh, like, man. like, man, these homeless are organized. <laughs> that explains so much yeah um the the uh place they end up in is some sort of shelter or clinic or something and there's a bunch of guys on bed who are all bandaged up and stuff and stasi's like "Ooh, this guy's uh, legs infected he should be in a hospital i can't walk away from this i have to help him so she starts healing him right in front of father sumiyoshi who's like Wow, she can do this. Then she's after ah, Rusk. Sumiyoshi is pretty impressed and is like, "You understand now why I brought you here? You, have, we have so much we could do." So they start uh, off again in the limo, and uh, Sumiyoshi's got an idea for what he can do with Stasi. She takes a call to Colby Shaw over at Sanctuary, like. Yeah, don't worry about it. I got to go somewhere for a couple of days. I'll see you. Give everyone my love because I'm definitely not being held against my will. Bye. <laughs> Calls from the limo phone, too. So that's super 80s cool. Yeah. That is a little unusual back then. St- uh, Colby's uh, worried, but um, she tries calling the cops and the cops won't do anything. The cops are useless, Colby. Forget it. There you go, Wayne. Um, we could try looking for her, but we don't have any idea where to begin. And uh, the other side force members are like at a loss. So we head back to Haven House where Sumiyoshi is looking for some letters he thought he'd put in somewhere in his desk and getting suspicious of the people around him. But meanwhile, upstairs in her new room, um, Stasi now has a, a new place to, to stay, and uh, uh, she's like, I'm finally doing something worthwhile. So the next day, they're driving in the limo again with uh, Stefan and Housemaster to uh, a rich house. So they're up um, visiting some, some elderly woman, possibly of color, who uh, is not feeling well. Stefan is apparently supposed to mow the lawn. So, or like the weird, like solid gold space age lawnmower thing they got going on there. Like, like it looks like it's out of the Jetsons or something. Yeah, I was gonna say, is that like remote controlled or something? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a fun little touch though. Like she's important now. She's going up to meet the lady. You mow the lawn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The. Um, they keep the the Stefan down a lot. Um, Stasi is uh, like, oh, poor old lady. Here, let me hold your hands, and then I can take the pain away. Are you going to kill her, Stasi? <laughs> There's a glow. You won't feel any pain where you're going. <laughs> Pillow <laughs> over the head. <laughs> 
You know, justice could do the same thing. So you just this right. pile of ash. You're going to a better place, lady. <laughs> so she's uh, old lady. Callus is like, wow. I haven't. My hands haven't felt like this in years. And Father Sumiyoshi, you and I have got quite a future together, Stasi. He's thinking to himself. There's a panel of uh, Mrs. Callus handing. Father, a large check, and uh, she's like, as they're heading out to the limo, you see, Stasi, you shared your light with us. I see now what you meant. So, next page is like him taking her to parties, and like uh, the following evening, you know, multiple guests, and he's like inducing her to lay hands on various people who, you know, come to him for for help. Yeah, it's like Jesus. in Night Mask, we had like this gathering of voodoo. They were all dancing and drums. And here we've got a row of old people in wheelchairs coughing. And everybody's kind of like down and out. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, she's a, uh, but Stasi glows up and is like multiple people healing. Um, as we saw, I guess, with that old doctor, she can only do kind of temporary fixes for old age and you know terminal diseases but um i'm sure you know these people all feel a lot better after uh, whatever she does to them so she yeah. continues it until she's exhausted and uh father sumir she sends them away and they all give checks to uh house master hmm. and notably Why, he's got you. kind of a weird cane with him now like he's got like a round ball on the top kind of Right. Yeah, the the um outside it's raining and uh Stefan, her friend, is like out there getting getting rained on. So um one evening several days later, as we progress, she is surprised by how much she misses Psy Force. So she's been do busy doing this healing all over town. But um, she finally remembers that she has friends. Okay, Stasi. <laughs> Thought we were our part of a team, Stasi. Just because we don't speak Russian, I, I mean, neither does Father and you, you know, Sumiyoshi. So come on. Anyway, she makes a call from the kitchen phone or something, let's say. And Michael is uh, picks up the phone at Sanctuary. He's like, Where are you? We're worried about you. I'm Michael. I'm okay. Honestly, tell the others not to worry. And just then we get the uh, ball at the end of the cane clicking down the receiver on this old phone uh, before she can tell him where she is. And Housemaster is gives her this sort of ominous glare. I sensed your light leaving us. Shouldn't you be in bed? It's rather late, don't you think? You need your sleep. And it's Stasi, who's uh, always a little naive, is like, maybe there's a rule about making calls after a certain time. <laughs> okay. Oops. Uh, she, she heads back upstairs, and um, meanwhile, back at Sanctuary, Michael runs over to Wayne and is like, oh, she called, and then we got cut off, and I'm worried, blah, blah, blah. So, let's go talk to Colby, and he Michael tells Colby that you know, there was a call and she got cut off. 
And uh, she's like, well, I guess I'll call the police. Maybe she got herself mixed up with a cult of some sort. You mentioned something about light. There's a group called the Children of the Light somewhere in the Bay Area. But, you know, go back to your room. I'll take care of this. Me with my CIA contacts that you never see. So Michael is goes back to Wayne, who's like, um, well, you know, she I could read her mind and I could tell like what where she thinks this house is. So we could go check it out ourselves. So Stasi's friends, that's Cy Force, and head out into the night. And uh, next panel are over at uh, Haven House. This is spooky. You're telling me there's someone guarding the house, so we have to come up with a plan. We got to um, rescue Daphne, Scoob. <laughs> <laughs> They're all standing around in the rain with some rain slickers on. And, uh, you know, if you want some scouting, you go to Tyrone. So, yep. Like, hold my body. And his ghost leaves. Um, we see Stefan wandering around. Um, thinking to himself, it's worse than I thought. I've got to tell her, but then she'll hate me. We see Father Sumiyoshi and uh, Housemaster uh, are talking, and like, how much did we make today? A little over 9,000. She's quite a little money making machine. So there's more um, plans in the works to, to use her. And Tyrone's heard, heard some of this, so he's like, uh, apparently, Stasi's worth a lot of money to these guys, so they're not going to let her go too easily. Upstairs, we see Stefan talking to Stasi, and uh, he's like, I have a great idea. Why don't we just leave and travel, the two of us? We could travel to the Midwest together. It'd be great. We could go tonight. What do you think? I think you're crazy, Stefan. Why would we want to leave? We do important work here. I thought you were happy. Uh, maybe naive isn't the word. Um. Well, it's not he's, like he's really clued her in on anything. He's being kind of vague. I'm like, let's just run away. Yeah, I mean, it's a little unrealistic, sure. But, um, I mean, we're already runaways, so. But anyway, yeah, maybe he hasn't really described what the problem is because um, he says he shouldn't have brought you here. Things aren't what he appear. And I'll show you something that proved we have to leave. She's like, I'm not going anywhere. Suddenly, Tyrone's ghost appears. Tyrone, what are you doing here? Um, Stefan sees him and is shocked, of course, but he's bringing in some letters, which the father had said he was missing some letters a few pages before. So um, he's a little spooked by Tyrone, of course, and is like, ah, we'll talk later. When you're um, done talking to your ghost black friend. <laughs> the next page i thought like the um the lettering is just completely different completely yeah. different it's like take takes uh it's it's extremely um noticeable change you know uh, i mean up against deadline like you take a couple pages home tonight and come bring them back tomorrow okay yeah. it doesn't seem like it would make sense that it was like a change either because it's just like this one page and I mean, yeah, it's so it's natural flow from the next one. And... Yeah, it's probably just when it came in and they had to uh, get it back out as quickly as they could. Um, yeah, there's 
I don't know. Tyrone is like, I think they're using you for money. And she's like, no, I'm helping people. I'm, this is ridiculous. But, you know, he, he says, look, just uh, try to leave and see if they'll let you leave. And she's like, okay, I'll try. But she goes, talks to Father uh, Sumiyoshi, and he is not having it. Stasi, I thought I made myself perfectly clear. You go to your room and forget about contacting your friends. Well, why won't I don't understand why you won't let me see them? And um, he is goes over the top pretty quickly. Um, he pulls a gun. I had hoped it wouldn't come to this, Stasi. You will do exactly as I tell you. You think I'll let my most valuable follower just walk out of here? I don't understand. So Tyrone goes is back outside. She's in trouble. She's in there and she's in trouble. <clears throat> well, they start off sending Wayne to talk to Drago, and uh, he just tells the guy, "Take a walk." Yeah, I'm gonna go take a walk. <laughs> <laughs> it's great because he's he's walking off. He's got this big smile on his face. I'm gonna take a walk in the pouring rain. <laughs> like da da da. Happily ever after. Yeah. As long as Wayne's power holds, which could be as long as Wayne's alive for all we know. It's his um, mental impression to him was all you like to do is take long walks in the rain. <laughs> like maybe this like if he can make people forget things forever. Yeah. This maybe, guy's gonna yeah. show up in Side Force 25, like walking in the rain. Da, da, da. <laughs> Singing in the rain. Drago, is that you? Singing. <laughs> I've never been happier. Guarding doors and punching people just wasn't the life for me. You know, people say, join a cult, you'll find some meaning in life, but then you're just standing there like a bouncer at a bar. It's no fun. What's the point? It's not worth it. <laughs> so Wayne and the other Cyforce um, pop through the into the room where um, Father Sumiyoshi is holding Stasi with a gun and very clearly, like, in the middle of the room, so there's no mistake of what's going on. Put the gun down, creep. Wayne! It's okay, Stassi. We'll get you out of here. Uh, Wayne just turns the Jedi mind trick on, on him. My head! Something's happening in my head. Can't seem to. Just then, the uh, other door opens, and Housemaster comes in, and we see that if you pull on that ball in his cane, it's a cane sword. We have more more recruits or some intruders, perhaps. It's like we're going to have some fun. So here we go with uh, Kathy pulling the books down onto uh, the housemaster. And the father is still, I can't think clearly. So he's resisting Wayne, but not like able to do anything. Yeah, he's able to fight it seemingly more than most characters ever have to this point. So he's got a strong brain on that one, I guess. And let's see. The kids are, you know, Michael blows up a globe base, uh, bounces the globe off of him, I guess. Um, Wayne finally, well, Suniyoshi struggles, refusing to yield to Wayne's mind control, but Dossie's finally like, it looks as if he's had enough, Wayne. No, he pops right up with the gun. Does it really? Well, not quite. And uh, he, he's got Stasi, and they're backing out of the room in that like classic 
that villain taking making his leave. Uh, yeah, the hostage pose. <laughs> but uh, behind them, a third door opens, and it's Stefan with some police. Stasi, Stasi, hold it, kid. He's got a gun, and uh, Stefan has dropped a dime on Father Sumiyoshi. I've known about you and your scam for quite a while. Really? Are you like a 21 Jump Street, like undercover cop who was placed in my thing to to try to... No, I'm just a, like a Russian kid. who. You know, <laughs> it was fine for me up until last week and you started making time on my 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 lady. And you know. well, What was the scam anyway in the beginning, right? They were just like the kids were selling candy and flowers and then they'd help old people and maybe sometimes they would donate because they were being nice. I mean... Did, they, did yeah, he start scamming I mean, people until Stasi came along? It's, Is he even scamming them? <laughs> if they're getting healing in exchange for gifts? They are getting healing, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, if it's scam is a strong word. I think using runaway kids for your own purposes is probably a, illegal, but you know. Don't tell that to Colby Shaw. That's what she does all the time, too. So. <laughs> so anyway, thanks to the kids here, kid here, we have quite a lot of ed- evidence against you. We should be able to find you a nice place of residence for some time. Book them, Stanley. Hmm. So St- Stefan's like, Stasi, I wanted to show you this earlier. I found these letters in Sumiyoshi's desk. He was blackmailing some of the kid's parents. Oh, there we go. Oh, there's the criminal activity. He told him he'd never see their kids again unless they sent him money. So, and we sold candy and flowers to make him rich. So, they uh, frog walk Sumiyoshi out, and uh, some of the other kids are like, What's happening? Where are they taking him? Going away for quite a while, kids. Um, Drago's still walking in the rain. Lovely walk. I guess that's Wayne. Like, see you later, buddy. I hope he gave him a little extra reinforcement. <laughs> Keep it up. So Stefan is uh, closing, trying to close the deal with Stasi. And I'm sorry, it worked out like this. What will you do now? Don't worry about me. I'll be fine. I was thinking I'll take that trip I was talking about. Um, I thought the I'm whole gonna, point of that was going with the pretty girl around. I'm gonna write myself out of the comic book. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be a stranger. Stay in touch. I hope you find what you're looking for, Stassi. I hope you do, too. Dreams move us beyond ourselves, move us to be hopeful. But sometimes they are mere illusions, and when they die, there is a sadness that only new dreams can heal. Stassi has a strangely haunted look. (laughs) It's a nice little sentiment at the end. Yeah, it's fine. It's, uh... He's trapped in a dead-end job. You know, maybe one day you're standing out there, it's raining, and the moment of inspiration strikes. And like, I'm going to quit this job and go for a lovely walk in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> I've certainly made some career transitions over the years myself that were at least as well thought out as that. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. This is really kind of a borderline for the is it a filling issue um, question. Um, since it's one of the regular artists, but a new writer. So it could have been like an inventory story they had. And 
you know, just wanted to, to, to burn off. Um, but that would sort of suggest that it was done ahead of time and having fill in letterers suggests that it was being done at the last minute. So once again, it's a mystery. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking it's maybe more like, you know, if a bunch of things are running late, then you can't easily tie into what's happening in the previous issue. So you got to write it a little bit one one story kind of self-contained. So and then it kind of works because they were saying they, that uh, they were going to leave. Maybe they knew they were going to leave the reservation. So telling the story back in the sanctuary is OK. But, but yeah, they don't mention any of the like wayne's heartbreak from the previous issue or, or anything he seems happy already so yeah that's a good idea if you have like you could have like two or three issues in a row and and plan out you know a tight continuity and then give yourself a little breather with an issue or two that are more self-contained mm. that way yeah if things are running late or something or you're really pushing it to get those previous issues out now you can take it easier so yeah um it's a little <laughs> funny like when we're looking at this and like well one of these two books is canceled and the other one is not and you're like mm, this isn't actually as good as the one that's being canceled <laughs> one's got like a now famous artist and yeah a legendary writer and this one's got brand new people kind of right it's um i would say the the writing is rough i mean it's it did feel like a a first you know attempt by a new writer um so there's there's just these sort of like rough spots that like a more um more experienced writer would probably be able to smooth over in you know beyond my perceptions so yeah you know, he, he, there's a lot, a lot of, of fun in it though like if, if we're not taking, I mean, it's probably meant to be kind of serious, but maybe not too, too serious. And, and I'm, I'm definitely going to have to say that I'm adding Walks in the Rain bodyguard guy to my pantheon of favorite, like, you know, one-off or uh, lost new universe characters. You know, I, I imagine them, them as a super team. And they're kind of like just like a ragtag bunch, and like so he's their muscle, and usually maybe pretty reliable, except for when it rains. Mm. <laughs> and he just gets happy. He's not going <laughs> to fight anybody. He goes off. It's like oh, he goes for a walk. So he's their unreliable muscle in my story. Nice, nice. You're uh, living in Phoenix or something, and it's like you're you've got the juggernaut on your side, but uh, you live in <laughs> Seattle. It's a whole nice. Mr. Unreliable. Yeah. And I would see like Big Bridget would be like, they'd have like some romantic chemistry because they're both big, but because I'm simple that way. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, he's always annoying her because she wants to take things a little more seriously. And he's always trying to go for walks in the rain. Can we go together? We don't have to. I'm perfectly happy walking in the rain. Oh, the rain. The rain is my best friend. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I think it's a, uh, you know, something that someone could have developed. I mean, it, it's not like a uh, bad issue. So, you know, I'm, I'm sometimes you're like, oh, 
this person never really did anything more than this. It's like, I don't know. That's kind of a shame, but yeah, their plan was. Um, it's a lot better than the comic that was kind of similar where like the, the alternative sanctuary was trying to pimp out Kathy, like quite literally, you know, we're right, here. Right, right. This one's a little less wacky and also they're, you know, just trying to abuse her healing powers kind of thing. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not as sordid as that. Um, I mean, yeah, cults are always kind of creepy and like it's a really kind of you know well used um, trope, I guess. That it's San Francisco cult of teenagers and a Svengali type and. Yeah. Um but yeah the the it did hit the a lot of the notes that I wanted from you know putting one of the healing characters into this position where they're actually encouraged to do a lot of healing for a lot of people. Um Stasi we really see it take a toll on her more than Stephanie and uh, DP7. Um but I mean it really brings up like how, I mean, like their, their nemesis um, they was like, well, I'm sure I thought surely like someone would have either kidnapped or killed these kids by that by now. And it's like, why would you kill these kids? They have like these unique powers, you know, I'm not quite right. sure what the advantage is. Um, yeah. At least like the ones that would be a little more <laughs> able to control. I mean, like you could have like Wayne, like, you know, reads the wrong mind and you're like, oh, he's he knows all these secrets from you know, the general or something and now we have to kill him or whatever. Stasi's power is like more like the most um, yeah, you could imagine rich people like just kidnapping her themselves. You know, yeah, rich and it was it the Derek Shining Star who was revealed to be the one that's been after them this whole time? Like his motivation was basically like covering his tracks, right? Yeah, he just like sold the list, and then he he didn't want any anyone tracing it to him, but he he was the one. Yeah, I would kind of argue in this story that if like Sumiyoshi just chilled out a little bit, like he might have been able to actually hold on to Stasi. Like she was really into this mission. Like if he just let her call and let her leave, like she'd probably come back and like maybe kind of work the, you know, cult initiation thing over more than two days. <laughs> like, yeah, I not mean, the best cult leader. Yeah, it's is that Jordan Peterson? Anyway. <laughs> You're um, leaving, pulls gun. Okay, that escalated quickly. It's yeah, the the, the within the comic book uh, confines, you know, things have to move quickly. But uh, yeah, yeah, we keep you, coming through doors and shaking things up. Stasi would be happy to have something like this. So all you need is like the other Psy Force members to be like, "Hey, we're the new cult." Uh, yeah, we heard you were sick. Yeah, we got some healing out here for you. Yeah. They would be uh, probably able to protect her from like someone else grabbing her and yet able to use her to help people. And even, you know, you some, they don't have to like soak everyone, but, you know, they could fundraise themselves pretty well. Yeah. And, you know, it would be fairly open and above board, you know, so... 
Um, yeah, I mean, I just like the idea that, you know, no one around them was like, why that girl has in powers. This is all crazy. They're just like, oh yeah, she's, you know, she works with this mystic and she heals me perfectly normal. You know, doesn't raise an eyebrow at all. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. The faith healer um, proposal stands. Well, maybe all those old rich guys and ladies don't have long to live anyway, so they can keep her secret in the grave. True enough. Well, let's see. I well, we've all been through the. Oh, let's grade that. Grade, yeah. I, I'm think I have. Mm, I'm of two minds. So if, if I'm taking this seriously and I'm like trying to be a real reviewer or something, um, which I'm not. Uh, maybe a B minus, but I really enjoyed it, so I'm going A minus. Oh wow! Okay, it's just kind of fun. Like just the whole thing. Just the, I'm probably way biased by the walking in the rain guy and like that scene where people kept popping into the through the maybe the same doorway. <laughs> uh, now the cops are here, and now housemaster's here. And so it felt like an old I, old movie. Yeah, I mean, I like the Stefan. Uh, it's like kind of a innocent guy with a crush on Stasi was cute but um some of the cyforce they had good sort of dialogue amongst themselves but it was a little out of character so yeah uh, that was kind of my my like uh it doesn't feel like the same guys as much um i'll give it a b, b minus mm-hmm. i'm a little like you know i see potential here but it didn't like pay off for me quite as much. So, mm. so. Maybe if you had taken a nice walk in the rain, you would have been in higher spirits. <laughs> um. So yeah, Cyforce will continue. Yay! Cyforce will continue, <laughs> which yeah, it's cool. Um, and let's see, we'll be talking more about these cancellations as we get to these books this month. Um. Wait a second, does it tell us that there's a Cyforce annual already? Yeah, it's in the checklist on the very bottom right hand corner. Oh, yeah, okay. Cyforce loses a member ooh, and gains a new one. Also, mm-hmm. find out what all the team members experienced on the day they gained their powers. Nice. So I think the annuals are sometimes a look back in this group, but clearly that's some real shakeup if there's losing a member. Yeah, interesting. So, yeah, several of the books did get annuals. Um, one of the books that was canceled got an annual, but that was not Night, Night Mask. So, um, and one of the books that was continuing did not get an annual, which is weird. But yeah, um, Codename Spitfire gets a thirteenth issue, which none of the canceled books got. Yeah, that weird like numbering where they were like the month before or something. I don't yeah. Know. And then we, I guess Starbrand doesn't pop up again at the end of this month. Yeah, so this month of comics really does kind of begin with Night Mask and Cyforce, at least in terms of how they organize it. Yeah, that's where we get the new the new universe the uh, universe news for this the issue. new news news. There's <laughs> like three letters of each. Yeah, and there's a ton of slogans, but we'll save those for another cast. 
Indeed. We've got all month. Let's not use up all our A material just yet. <laughs> so that is it for this week's episode. And next time we'll be looking at... Uh, heavy Sigh, Merrick 12, Mercenaries Lynn Griffin and the Sergeant Major train Afghan tribesmen to fight fully armed Soviet troops only to have the tribesmen fight become their own. <laughs> Afghan uh, Strike is written by Doug Murray, illustrated by Gray Morrow. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> maybe it'll be fun, but it doesn't have Mark Hazard in it. Um, or the short version, Merc number 12, in a training camp for Afghan freedom fighters. What could go wrong? Let's train those Afghans to be real killers. Wow, those guys sound great. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly... Can't expect anything but uh, good times and uh, yeah. success from our interactions with that group of young freedom fighters. Kickers Inc. number 12, a relay, relay race designed to restore the kickers turns into a dangerous test of survival for kicker Jack Magna Conti in Watch Your Step, written by Terry Cavanaugh and Ron Altabill. Penciled by Rod Wiggum, inked by Tony DeZuniga. I think that's the creative team from a couple issues ago that we enjoyed. Yeah. Kickers, Inc. number 12. The Kickers challenge a Canadian hockey team. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the, the first description sounds like The Running Man, like the, the Arnold movie. <laughs> um, and what does it mean Canadian? to restore the Kickers? Like their reputation, or to like bring them back together because they don't have to argue about cocaine anymore. Yeah, I sure wasn't even in the last issue. I don't know what happened with him. Maybe he's like stormed off the way Treetop and Mark <laughs> had a falling out. I mean, Maybe. Hmm. Well, until then, we uh, are still at kickersinc.com, and you can certainly email us with our new universe slogan that you would like to propose. Although I think we've got some good uh, entries in already from you us. Some. And, and some from one emailer. Oh, okay. Now we're talking. Well, you can uh, be part of the fun at newuniversepodcast at gmail.com along with your legions of uh, fellow fans. And until next week, we'll see you back at the spinner rack. Don't throw out the duck. Yeah.